Well, good morning. You know, if you read the news or if you watch TV or you spend just really any amount of uh, time on uh, some sort of internet site, you will realize that the world we live in um, nowadays, truth seems to be hard to come by, Uh, right? Uh, In a sense, it's it's almost become irrelevant as long as uh, ratings are good, people are entertained, and someone makes money, right? Now, truth is defined in the dictionary as the real facts about um, some things. But truth just doesn't seem to be uh, the same as it once was. It's something that we aren't concerned with these days in our culture. Just take a look at the the headlines of the news, right? You've got the whole uh, Tom Brady, the the Flategate scandal of what's going on there, right? Um, So grown men can't decide whether or not they let out air in a football, all right? You would think by this point or at some point that somebody would just fess up and say, yeah, I took him into the locker room, I let out a little bit of air, but instead we just learned that over the last couple of weeks that it is uh, a court case is being heard by the federal courts about under-inflated footballs. This doesn't make sense. Or then there's the, the Hillary Clinton and how national security was hampered and how she handled her emails. Be honest, I don't know tons about this story. Um, I don't know how it first broke. I don't even know the full details to the story. What I do understand is there are a lot of half-truths and whole lies um, that are being shared in the midst of it. Now as the run to the White House begins, I think we can only brace ourselves for uh, political and informational mayhem. Right? As one candidate will say, well, he says this, and the other will say, no, no, I say this, and that's not truth, and this is truth. They, they can't decide which is which. And then there's Oscar Pistorius. He was a Paralympian and Olympia, Olympic um, uh, hopeful that uh, uh, was charged with uh, killing uh, his girlfriend, um, shot her. Now, some believe he did it uh, innocently, um, wasn't sure that it was her and he was protecting himself. Others say he did it out of vengeful rage. No one will really truly know the truth outside of that man right there. Truth seems to be uh, irrelevant. It doesn't take long for us to realize that although we live in a world where there seems to be the most access to information that any other culture, any other group of people, we of all the groups of, of people that have lived across this, this world From generation to generation, we have the most information at our fingertips. Yet for some reason or another, truth just can't be found. The excess of information seems to to muddy the water and bring less and less clarity. I would say it's a scheme of the adversary to make things seem a little gray, right? To to cloud truth or, or to make us wonder, is there really black and white? Is there really right and wrong? Is there really good and evil. Instead, just all a little messy. Yet, for the past eight weeks, we spent time studying through a series that's been called Greater Than. And as we delve into the study of the book of Hebrews, I would say that I have not found any more um, clarity that needs to be found other than this one truth right here. That Jesus is greater than. And in a book that for some has, has uh, caused, man, this is a lot to take in. This is, it, it's been really clear to me as we studied God's word that there is one central theme and message through the book of Hebrews. Jesus is, is greater than. Now originally this book was written to a, a group of Jewish Christians who had um, begun to experience uh, some persecution um, who had lived, maybe had begun to live as if Christ wasn't fully enough, right? They were adding um, something back, some, some of these, these old ways of their life. Um, 
And, and some may have begun to wonder, was Jesus all he was kicked up to be? The truth, though, that was shared through this ancient sermon, uh, this book of Hebrews, um, didn't bring complication. It brought clarity and truth. It's simple. Christ is greater than. Truth that Christ was the fulfillment. He is the great high priest who now intercedes for us, and he saves us. Now, God's word is not a book of mere suggestions, right? This is clear truth. There is no gray area in God's word. And just like the religious people of the past needed to be reminded that there is nothing more and nothing less other than Jesus that saves them, we need to be reminded of that time and time again. Jesus is greater than. Now, last week, Matt reminded us that Christ walked the path of faith first as right the pioneer. He used an analogy of, uh, of a Marine being the point person. Right, and as that person leads the other, uh, the platoon, um, right, they they take on the hard the hard part. They're the ones walking into new territory, and the same is true of Christ. When He blazed the path of faith for us, He walked it ahead, and so now we get to just simply follow in the footsteps of Christ. I love how the the message paraphrases um, uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, and we're gonna. It'll be up here on the screens. And if you guys want to go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12 and 13 in your own Bibles, that's where we'll be studying out today. But this is from the message, and it says it like this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, whether that was cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So don't listen to the world's lie. You see, there is truth. And when Christ cut the path for us, he did so through, as the Gospel of John tells us, grace and truth. So as the author closes his letter to the people um, that he have long relied on this sacrificial system, um, had felt that there might be an incompleteness um, to their faith, as he talks with the people that seem to be unsure of truth at this point, he tediously reminds them of a couple very, very important truths. If you've ever heard um, these old preachers, right? You, an older preacher often carries a large, thick Bible, I always notice, right? They're large, they got the gold rim on the, the edge, and, and, and they're the type that when they get to the end of the message, they're coming to kind of the, conclu- the conclusion, they'll say something like, as I conclude this morning, and then they'll, they'll share one more thing. But the greats are the ones that will say, as I conclude this morning, and they share one more thing. And then they say, as I, as I come to the, the close this morning, they'll share another one more thing. As, as the, we come to finality in the message, and then they'll share one more thing, right? They just, they just can't get, get done with it. They're, they just want to share more and more and more. 
That seems to be what's happening right here in the book of Hebrews. As he closes out chapters 12 and 13, it's as if he's just saying, I- I've got one more thing. And then he shares that one more thing. Well, i got one more thing after that. And he shares that, that thing. It's like trying to hang up the phone call with uh, you know, your, your Aunt Sally who just keeps talking and talking. You're like, oh, i gotta le- I got to let you go. And i got one more thing I want to tell you about. Right? He gives us, though, truth. He gives us certainty. He gives us actuality. And he gives us fact. He just shares one more thing. The first of those is this, that you are children of God. Um, I had a, a friend that I went to college with that recalled how his father disciplined him as a child. Um, he said that I, I would often uh, uh, do things and dad would, you know, give me a spanking uh, for what I did wrong. And he told me a story once. He said, you know, I was, I was messing with my sister, bugging her and throwing toys at her or something. And, and dad came in and he said, go to your room. Um, so I went to my room. He said, it was the normal routine. I would go sit in my room. I'd have to think about what I had done while I was in the room. And then dad would walk in. He would tell me what I had done wrong, which I already knew what I had done wrong at that point. Um, and then he would say, you know, I love you. And I, I don't like to spank you, but I'm going to give you a spanking right now. He'd give me a spanking, and he'd say, I love you, and I know what's best for your son. And then he said he'd let me go out of my room. Well, he said, I recall that story. He said, I, I had hit my sister. That The normal routine happened. He gave me a spanking. I love you. I know what's best for you. And I went back out to play with my sister again. Well, the, the, the time came, and he, his sister was frustrating him again. And he said he, he had thrown something at her, and she had thrown something at him. And he got up, and he hit her. And his dad came into the room. He said, why did you just hit your sister? And he said, I love her and I know what's best for her. (laughs) You know, sometimes um, discipline isn't so fun to get. You know, oftentimes we even think of discipline as a bad thing. But discipline is set up for us for good. It helps us to grow in Christ. It helps us to grow as, uh, as human beings. We need discipline. We need to be, uh, be trained up and become better. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, it says this, if you want to turn over there this morning. Verses 5 and 6, it says, And have you completely forgotten these word, this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone who accepts. He accepts as his son. You know, I think that's important for us to realize. At at times in this this life, we are going to have difficult things happen. In the the story of the Hebrews, um, they were beginning to wonder. Um, They were Jewish, uh, right, in their their original faith, and they had come to know Christ. And now, all of a sudden, after coming to know Christ, they're beginning to experience some persecution. And some of them thought that that was uh, God's way of punishing them. Now, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, verse 28, probably a familiar passage to some of you this morning, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So that God can take difficulties in this life to use them to discipline us, to make us more, more like him. I like to think about it in the prodigal son's story. Right? The prodigal son was given everything by his father. And what did he do? He went and squandered it away, right? He, he went and gave it away in wild living. And he finds himself um, eating out of the pig trough as he's a, a farmer's hand. 
Now, he could have easily sat at that trough and said, well, why would such a bad thing happen to me? If, if my dad really cared about me, he wouldn't let me get here. But what his lifestyle led him to was a moment of discipline. But I love the ending of the story, right? He decides, I'm going to run back to dad. And dad comes running to him. That's the same is true in our, our lives. And that's what I think is important for us to remember as we look into to that understanding that this, the Hebrew author is, yes, he's saying there's going to be moments of discipline in our life. When I first started studying over this this week, I thought, man, do, do I soften this? I, I can't soften the truth here. It's real clear. You are going to be disciplined by God. He's going to, to, to grow you up in, in, in different ways, but he's going to use it all to do great glory for his name and to grow you in your faith. And so we learn that very clear truth that, well, yes, we'll be disciplined, but I think the clearer truth is this. That we are God's children. The author continues. He says, oh, time out. I, I've got one more thing, right? And he says, you are witnesses of, of grace. Now, I want to remind you of a few of the passages of Scripture that we have delved into over the last few weeks. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it said this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Then in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, speaking of Christ, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then into chapter 7, verse 25, Therefore he is able to, I love this, save completely. Those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. I share those truths to remind you that God truly is greater. You know, we, we hear those things, we sing songs about those, but for some reason or another, I think sometimes they become almost numb to us. And we need to be reminded that, man, we are sinners. We are broken in our very nature of who we are, and we needed a Savior. And Christ became that Savior for us. Which then gives us the challenge, and hopefully we are going out and sharing that truth with others. In verse 15 of chapter 12, the author uh, continues on and he says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. He's saying, make sure others come to fully know the amazing grace that you have. I heard one say it like this, God's grace does not fail, but we, mankind, can fail to take advantage of his grace. To say that we know truth, and we know what God has told us, but we are then called to go share that. No matter, uh, no amount of um, church attendance, the, the amount of Bible you have memorized, the amount of Christian songs you may be able to sing saves you. No, Christ saves you. His grace alone brings you um, whole and a pure life. It gives, makes you righteous, as the Hebrew author would say. And then in verse 13, he says, keep on loving, or chapter 13, verse 1, it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. You know, before we had all the technology we do today that we can hop on Google and Google what's going on in the world, um, 
There were uh, men in the early 18th century that were called uh, town criers. Now, a town crier would have wore an elaborate uh, garb of some sort, some sort of very bright, colorful outfit. Uh, He would have carried a bell with him, and he would have went to the the largest area in the public um, town, and he would have rang that bell, and he would have said something like, Hear ye, hear ye. And, and what he was doing, it was he was creating attention, calling attention to himself, and then he would share uh, proclamations of the king, he would share local bylaws, um, he would share uh, marketing, <laughs> advertising of that day, um, he would share truth. And as we come to uh, this, this end of the book of Hebrews, in a sense, I believe he's saying, it's our turn to be the town crier. Hear ye, hear ye, Right? But the news that we have discovered is not just a proclamation of a worldly king. It's a proclamation of the great king, God, our king, to say that God is greater. Jesus is greater, and you can receive that great gift. We become witnesses to that truth. But then he continues, well, time out, I've, I've got one more thing, he says. He says, you are privileged with, with confidence, In Hebrews chapter 4, it said, we have confidence to approach the throne of grace. And once again, the author reminds us uh, of the original audience that that Christ's blood and his grace and his mercy is a a privileged confidence as we come to a close. He does so by sharing uh, of two mountains. He talks about Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai was a place in which Moses um, had received the the Ten Commandments, right? And, and Mount Sinai um, was known, and that, that day when those people got around it, it, it shook, it says. Um, there was the pillar of fire that came down upon it. It was a place that there was boundaries to be set up around it, for if anybody was to have touched the mountain, it said that they would surely die. You see, in, in, in the, the time in which the Old Testament was written, God was to be feared. But now he, he changes. The author of Hebrews tells us about Mount Zion. Now, God doesn't change, but the situation changes. And because of Christ, we become able to, he intercedes for us so we can approach God with, with confidence. And he tells so by talking about Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion was synonymous uh, with Jerusalem. It was synonymous with a new age, a place where the Messiah would come at the end of days. It symbolized finality of God's restoration of his beloved creation. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 through 24, it says, it says this, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to a thousand upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of righteousness made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. In simpler terms, he is saying, your name is in the book of life. And you are made righteous and perfect in this place. You have nothing to fear. You can have confidence in Christ. And that is a privilege. Confidence in Christ is a privilege. If you've ever been on a a cruise ship, um, you'll know that you don't want to fall from the cruise ship, right? Especially when they're headed out into, into sea. But for one woman, that's exactly what happened. The cruise was headed out. It was a beautiful sunny day, and she had gone to the, the edge of the boat and was just kind of looking out at the waters, and she, she slipped off, and she fell in. And the story is recalled that almost as soon as she fell in, there was another man that, that went in after her. Um, and and he, he was heroic and confidently went to, to save her, and, 
and, and the, the boat stopped, and they sent out a, a vessel to go pick them up and bring them back to the boat. And that evening, they, they celebrated, and they held a, a large gathering in the main dining hall, the big event room, and they, they were going to celebrate this man's heroic acts. And, and they partied, and they had a good time. And then as the night began to come to a close, someone said, you know, speech, speech, speech. And all the glasses started tinging. They wanted to hear this guy give a speech. So he came to the front of the, the, the large greeting area, and he looked out amongst the people, and he said, I just want to know one thing. Who pushed me? <laughs> you know, when it comes to the end of our days, when you stand before God, uh, when this earth is wrapped up like an old tainted garment, we can stand with confidence and courage, not fear. And we can have that privilege because it was no accident. Nobody pushed Christ. He did it all on his own. He confidently came in to our mess, our drowning waters, if you want it, to save us. As Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 sums it up, therefore, since we have received, or we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We are receiving an act that's continuing to happen, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's certain. It's certain that He is greater than, and He has already overcome the sins of your past, and the sins of your present, and the sins of the future. And because of that, we can know that we have a foundation in Christ and we have nothing to fear, but we have privilege to approach the throne of grace with confidence. One more thing, though. In order to be a follower of Christ, um, you must follow your leaders and you are followers of his leaders. And as he kind of just a shotgun approach, um, he is sharing all kinds of things. There's two verses that just stuck out to me. Two verses that he, he hits on a couple things. And it's like, wow, he must have really thought this was important to tell these people before he closed up the message. In verse 7, it says this of chapter 13. It said, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Then on into verse 17, a few verses later, he goes like this. Have confidence in your leader and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for, for that would be of no benefit to you. You know why these are personal statements to a group of people that lived some thousands of years ago? We know because of Romans 13 that it says the authorities that exist have been established by God. So those that lead over us are established by God. And I'm sp talking directly right now in the midst of, of our church. You know, I, I can't tell you as a young, a young man how great it is to see great leaders and the, the, the follow underneath them. There are so many good people that are leading uh, amongst this church. Um, when I first began looking for a ministry a couple years ago where Christ might be calling me, um, and, and I, I met Matt and Tom and I got to meet all the elders. I cannot tell you how how much there was a central desire amongst all of them simply to see that Christ was high and lifted up in the community that they lived in. It was so clear that they all had that that heart. And if you don't know, uh, Matt and Tom could be of no opposite polar. They, they are so different than one another. The two of them think so differently. Um, but there's a great unity of leadership. And the same is true amongst our, our elders and other lay leaders um, that, that are amongst us and our staff. We all have different personalities, different traits, and they're all unified to see that Christ is higher and lifted up. And then 
the one thing that stuck out the most, though, seemed to be this. As, as I walked into a building, and, and when I first got here, there was already talk about, hey, we're going to see these, these, these walls expand, and, and now, now we're talking about, man, we, the, the desire and the, the, the joy that we have to start a third service. Um, man, that's such an exciting thing. But all that came back to this desire that said, you know, it's, we couldn't tell you exactly what we're doing other than we want to see Christ high and lifted up. So there was this, this act of humility that is seen in our leaders. And when leaders are humble, you want to follow those leaders. So let me encourage you this morning, remember your leaders. Imitate their faith. Submit to their authority because they love you. They love you deeply and they want to see Christ's church be high and lifted up. They want to see Christ be high and lifted up. And they're diligently striving to lead in such ways. But then he ends with one more thing. And this really is the last one more thing. So He comes back to that central message that Jesus is greater than. Quickly from the, the sporadic shotgun of all these things, which we didn't even touch on everything. He had all, a lot more to say in that, those two chapters. He closes out in Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 21, saying this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He reminds them of the truth, that Christ is greater. That great shepherd, he said. You know, that there's a children's nursery rhyme that says, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. You know, Humpty Dumpty had an unsolvable problem. And in a sense, we too have an unsolvable problem. But through Christ, the solution was found. Because Jesus Christ came to our wall and Jesus Christ died for our fall. So that regardless of death and in spite of sin, through grace, he might put us together again. So this morning, as we have over the last eight weeks, as we study this series, be reminded that Jesus is greater than, greater than the alcohol and the drugs that have become your addiction through the years, greater than your past, greater than the man or woman that you have tried to find comfort in, greater than the amount of money in your bank account, or for that matter, in the stock market. He's greater than the pride that tells you, don't ask for help. Don't tell somebody you're hurting. Don't come up and pray. Don't, don't, don't come and say, I need to give my life over to the Lord. He's greater than that pride. He's greater than the depression that has left you so broke and down over the last months. He's greater than the lies that this world and people will feed you to you. Instead, as the old hymn says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. God is greater now.
This morning, as I close in a word of prayer, let me encourage you, if you want to to pray, I'd love to pray with you, and my wife would love to pray with you over here by the cross, um, to pray that you would remember and recognize that truth of Christ being greater than, or if you've never accepted that truth, you've never given your life over to the Lord and been been baptized, uh, uh, putting to death that old life and being raised to walk a new life, Matt will be over here by the baptistry. Or if you'd like to walk towards the back, Tom will be back there and Vicki will be back there also if you'd like to meet with one of them and just have somebody pray with you. If you want to come to these steps, whatever that decision is, um, be reminded that God's grace, 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 God's grace is greater than all our sins.